Take your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. You and I are very fortunate that there was a day when God looked down. And when he looked down, he came down. And when he came down, he laid down. When he laid down, he reached down. And when he reached down, because he sat down. And one day he's going to put down. There's a simple little outline about what God did. Here in the book of Psalms, the 14th Psalm, it says in verse 1, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Question. Do you believe that God still sent his son to pay for the sins of this fool? He did. He sent him to pay for the sins of the fool, of a fool. A lot of fools in this world. There is no God. They are corrupt. They have all done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. You know, some verses are similar here to the book of uh, Romans in chapter 3. Look in verse 2. The Lord, and you ought to underline these two words here. He looked down. The Lord in heaven looked down. From heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. And what was the conclusion? Here's God in heaven and he's looking down upon the earth. Sees all the people on the earth. And he can see everybody in the whole world in a moment of time. If the devil can do that with Christ. And show him the kingdoms of the earth. Of the whole world. In a moment of time. Don't you think God can? And as he... You know, surveys the whole earth. He says, uh, they're all gone aside. They're all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Not one. I am glad that we have a God that one day looked down. And when he looked down and saw the conditions of this world, you know what he said? He says, I don't want to get involved. Is that what he said? No, he didn't say that. You know, you and I are like that sometimes. We see a lot of people with a lot of personal problems of all kinds, and we don't want to get involved. And one of the reasons because we got enough of our own. We can't solve everybody's problems. But we know somebody who can help people and can solve people's problems. You see, the biggest thing is you can just get people to the Lord. So maybe God wants to use us to get people to the Lord because God does want to get involved in people's lives. Can you believe that? That's why he tells us to get involved in people's lives. I think it's a good thing. It's a worthy thing. Uh, look there in your Bible to the book of John, the Gospel of John and chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. John chapter 3 and look in verse 31. See, the Lord, he saw the depravity of man and how bad we were. He saw the death and the plague and everything that stalks man as we go through this life. And he also can see the destiny of all the people that do not know him. Because he's God. But here in John chapter 3, it says in verse 31, 
He that cometh from above is above all. So not only did he look down, see, he came down. He looked down and he came down. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testified, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath said to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. So God sent his Son. God came down. That's what John 3.16 is really about. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So yes, God looked down and God came down. And you and I know why he came down. He came for a reason. Not a lot of reasons, just uh, one main reason. He was born that he might die. Take your Bible and turn there to the book of John chapter 10. The book of John in chapter 10. And you'll notice here a simple little verse. Look there in verse 17. Verse 17. Where it says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I, and you ought to underline these two, uh, lay down. I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. So Jesus Christ, who is God, he looked down and he saw the condition of man. And then it says he, he came down. That's why he was born into the world. That he might lay down his life for you and for me. So I want you to take and look at this in First John in chapter 3. First John in chapter 3. And look in verse 16. This is 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16. But in verse 16 it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because, and here's those words again, He laid down His life. This is supposed to reveal to you and I how much God loved us. Because you see, from God's viewpoint, as he looks at man, he says, all are corrupt. All are corrupt. All have sinned. All have gone astray. No one seeks God. And so he came down into the world. And he died on the cross. And he laid down his life for all those people that he saw. Because God is able to see all the people in all the world at one time. And He could send His Son to die on the cross to pay for all the sins of all the world. And hereby perceive we the love of God that He laid down His life for us. But now notice the other part of the verse. This is kind of a little strange to me. But the love that we have is revealed 
not by just the love we have for the lost man, but here it says in the last part of it, and we ought to lay down our lives. But then it say here, for the lost man, it says for the brethren. Maybe it's to, to get more brethren. Or for the purpose of having more brethren. But evidently, you know, from God's point of view, God knows how much could be accomplished if just God's people loved each other and one of the best for each other. You know why I want to have a camp. It's not so that I can find something to do because I'm bored. I know what camp does for the people, for the brethren. Did you know when you start getting involved in other people's lives and you want the best for them, it straightens up your own life. Your life will not get straightened out until you get connected to other people trying to help them spiritually. That means you should want all the other adults in the church, all the teenagers that are God's children, you want the best for them. And the best thing they could ever do is learning how to work together. Peter was talking about one little girl and the change in her because she trusted Christ as Savior and, and had such joy and she was intermingling with other people. And, and sometimes these kids, you know, that's how they make friendships. Getting out there slapping each other with paint, getting dirty, knocking each other into the water. All the fun time things that they have, that builds relationships. It builds friendships and causes them to want to be around each other. Do you know what it's like? Not to be liked, not to be involved, to think or to feel that nobody cares whether I live or I die. And camp gives people a chance to show somebody you care about them. Because, you know, it takes time to give to people. When you do that, you're laying down your life for somebody else. You're giving them the most valuable thing you have, time. Because, you see, that's what life is made out of. When you waste time, you waste life. So when you invest time, you're saving your life. And that's why Christ says, if you will lose your life for my sake and the gospel, you will find your life. And most people never find the real purpose in living. So as he looked down and came down and laid down, you and I are supposed to be looking through the eyes of the Lord. And as you and I look through His eyes, remember, we have been seated in the heavenlies. We look down, and we're supposed to come down, and we're supposed to lay down our lives, because, see, we have somebody that set an example for us. And there are a lot of God's children who just don't want to get involved in doing anything. Everything takes time. And you know your life is so valuable to you. And you don't have time to serve God. Because, see, serving God is serving people. And a lot of people don't have time to serve people. They live only for themselves. And they will not give up or sacrifice their time. Because they feel like, I am worth so much more. They would rather have people serve them instead of them serve others. Remember what Christ says, even the Son of Man did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister, to give his life a ransom for many. So this is what God's Word says, and I believe it's something that we ought to do. Uh, take your Bible and look in the book of Hebrews in chapter 1.
There's a great verse here. I like this verse. Hebrews chapter 1. But look in verse 1 to verse 3. He laid down his life. And then whenever he laid down his life, you know the Bible says that uh, when he went back into heaven, that he sat down. Do you know why he sat down? It was finished. Because the work was done. It is finished. Now you and I are trying to sit down and rest, and we haven't finished our job yet. We're not in heaven yet. We're supposed to work while it is day because there comes the day when no man shall be able to work. So we work while we can, as long as we can. So here in the book of Hebrews in chapter 1, look in verse 1. God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, it's a past deal, it's over and it's done with, when he had by himself purged our sins, and you ought to underline these two little words, he sat down, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, because the work was done. The work was done. And also, while you're right here, look there in Hebrews in chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And you'll notice it says this once again. See, the reason that you and I can rest in the Lord is because the Lord did the work. And he sat down because there was no more that needed to be done. We're supposed to accept the work that Christ did for us. Now that's for salvation. So you and I are going to heaven because we accepted the payment that Christ made. When he says it is finished means the payment for the sins of the world was paid for. It was over and done with. And look what he says here in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 10. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, well, what did he do? Sat down. He sat down on the right hand of God. Now, there are scriptures that talks about God being on the right hand and then talks about the Son being on the right hand. So now how can both of them be on the right hand? Is it possible that He is one and the same? Interesting. When we get to heaven, will we see three of them on three thrones or is it just one? I believe there's only one true and living God. And explain it, can't do it. Tried for years. I can't make people see it because sometimes I can't see it. Oh, I've used all kind of types in trying to explain it. But it's something we're going to have to see when we get to heaven. Is there one, is there two, or is there three? You say, well, I think there's, it won't matter what you think. You can't prove anything. That's why when we get to heaven, we'll see it and we'll know and we'll all understand. You see, God says, secret things belongeth unto the Lord. And we can only know that which he hath revealed. And he has not revealed everything. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew and chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you know there's a story here about um, a storm that came up. 
The disciples were told to get in the boat and go across the Sea of Galilee. And the one that started this thing was the Lord. See there in verse 22? And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. Who did? Well, Jesus did. And to do what? To go before him onto the other side. While he sent the multitude away. So it was his idea. He told them what to do. Well, did they do it? Yeah, they did it. In verse 23, And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. And it's seven miles wide and 1,400 miles long. Uh, this is one wide sea. It's a pretty good sized sea up there in the Sea of Galilee. I've preached on it many times. I really have. And so it's in the evening, and they're out there in the middle of the storm, because it says there in verse 24, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Oh, wait a minute. Who sent them in the midst of this storm? Jesus. Well, didn't he know there was going to be a storm? Well, if he's God, he knew. He knew there was going to be a storm. He knew exactly what was going to take place. And he sent his disciples right in the middle of it. And he knew what was going to happen. He knew what they were going to think. And in verse 25, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. They cried out for fear. But Jesus said unto them, It is, be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water, he says, come. When Peter was come out, down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the winds boasters, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hands. That means he, he reached down. He reached down and pulled him up because he was already sinking. You know, there's a, a psalm in the Old Testament. But in the 40th psalm, it makes the statement that the Lord reached down and lifted me up out of a horrible pit, set my feet upon a solid rock, and when he set him up on a solid rock, he established his going, put a new song in his heart, and all that because it was God who reached down. Now, it's not because you and I have been able to do all these great and wonderful, mighty things that cause God to love us so much more than somebody else. God does love us. And if it wasn't for the Lord who did the reaching, you and I would not be saved. Is his, is his arm so short that it cannot reach? That he cannot save us? But he can. And the Bible says that he can reach down and, and he can save us. Well, you know, there's the scripture in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. Now, we know that he's, he's coming back again. He's going to come. He's going to raise the dead bodies of believers and he's going to rapture out all of those who are still alive 
And the Bible says He's going to reward us when we get to heaven. That's what we have to look forward to. And the Lord says that He's going to put down all of His enemies. Look there in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And just look there in verse 24. Verse 24. And he says, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have, and you ought to line these two little words, put down all rule and all authority and power. And he's going to put all of his enemies under his feet. In other words, when it's all over with, everyone is going to bow the knee and confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is the Lord. It's going to be too late for them, but for you and I, it's still good if we would realize who He is. That He looked down, He came down. And he laid down, and then he sat down, and then he reached down, and then he put down. But he's coming down again, and he's going to take us out of here. We're supposed to live by faith, believing that. And as a child of God, we should be doing exactly the same thing. You see, because not only does God want us to be saved and to go to heaven and he wants us to have all the rewards you see whenever you really love the brethren you want them when they get to heaven to have all the rewards they could have got that's why as a child of God see we should want every one of God's children to serve the Lord we want them to be involved and the only way you can get some people involved is to be involved to do something to have a ministry. To get your hands dirty. To get involved in people's lives. And yet there's a lot of people that will never do it. I wish I could get a hold of them and just shake them real good. But I realize that it's not going to get me anywhere. So I am thankful for the ones that do. So I spend all my time, most of my time, with the ones that want to be faithful. And try to disciple the ones who will follow. You see, you can't disciple people who won't follow you. You can only disciple those who follow you. At one time, a lot of Christ's disciples turned and went away. And so he turned to his own disciples and he says, Will you also go away? And Peter made that statement, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, not all of you. Not all of you. One of you is a, a heretic, an unbeliever. One of you is. Because Peter didn't know everything. We all! Yeah, Peter's always doing it. Always putting his foot in his mouth. Saying things that he shouldn't say. I'm glad we don't have anybody like that today. People just don't do that anymore. But anyway, I hope that that will help you just a little bit. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. This book represents sin. We all have sin on us. God 
loves us. He hates our sin. And because of all this sin, it has to be paid. And the wages of sin is death. That's why we all have to die. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, you can't take your sin with you. You have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And nobody's perfect. Because of sin, we can't get in. And God says, your good works will not pay for your bad deeds. Good works don't pay for bad deeds. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God in the flesh came into the world because He loves us, hates our sin. Because our sin separates us from the Lord. So Christ took our sins, paid for them on the cross, and came back from the dead. Sent it into heaven and sat down. The work was all done. It's finished. Payment made in full. You see, the only thing you and I have to do is accept the payment He made for our sins. He's already done the, made the payment. All we have to do is accept it. That's free. That's simple. Uh, that's grace. It means you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's, it's free. Mercy and grace. What a wonderful thing. Let's pray, shall we? If you're here tonight or watching by internet, I pray that you would right now believe that God does love you. And yes, he looked down and he, he sees you. He sees all the rebellion that we have and the desires to go our own way. God said there's none righteous, no, not one. So because of what he saw, he came down and did something about it. He got involved. Couldn't get any more involved than what he did. He laid down his life. Because he laid down his life, he did it for everybody. Came back from the dead, sent it into heaven and sat down on the right hand of the Father. And then he reached down his hand for you and for me. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Will you trust him to save you? If you will, God said he would give you the free gift of eternal life. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Is there anyone else say, yes, I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and preach. I'd like you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Yes, right where you are, you too. All you have to do is believe it. God loves you that much. And he'll give you the free gift of eternal life. And you can know you're going to heaven when you die. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. The opportunity just to study your word and get some thoughts here and there. And Father, we ask your blessings upon this ministry. we got good people. Help us to plan wisely and do all that we can while we can to get involved in people's lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.